1: We've been talking about revival, and then we realized that one of the greatest characteristics of revival is unity. So the past couple weeks, we've been talking about unity, and we we'll want to continue that discussion. But first, let's pray. Avinu Malkenu, our Father, our King. O oh Lord, how good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. Father, I pray, Lord, that we would have a goal to be in unity with people, to, to be in harmony with people, to just be able to uh, enjoy people and, and not feel stressed about what we want or what they want. So, Lord, I just ask in the name of Yeshua that this program would help us get there. Because, Lord, I believe that's your will, and so we want to obey you. We want to do your will. Amen? So we pray this all in the name of Yeshua. Amen. Okay, so uh, just a couple of thoughts before we begin. You know, um, I just wanted to mention that last year we fell short financially, and it would really be helpful If this year, because our sign-up year was a week or two ago, um, so this year, it'd be helpful if we started off with a a boost. (laughs) And so uh, you can pray about that with us, or you can help us make up the difference financially and um, help us with some finances for the airtime here. Uh, Besides praying Uh, I would just like to mention that you can uh, give money to the Messianic Jewish community in Ukraine. It's still, we are still collecting. Um, As of this week, we're, I think, about $6,000 short. And uh, so we we would love to send another $10,000 their way. So if you haven't prayed or if you'd like to give, uh, even though it's out of the news, uh, it seems to be there are other things in the news cycle. It's still going on, and it's still tragic, and we want to really help people. So uh, last week, um, we talked about unity, and everybody wants unity, right? All the people want unity, but... (laughs) their behavior doesn't always create unity. So how much time in our families and our congregation and our work do we spend arguing about the right way to do something, which takes away from our ability to actually do it? (laughs) And uh, so, you know, I think this is a ploy of the enemy. The enemy steals our time He steals our relationships because of disagreements. He steals us, our our emotional ability to focus because of disagreements. Look, Bible study is really important, and prayer is also important. And if you do these two things, you're doing a lot. However, we also need to have a purposefully uh, uh, behavior so that we have time to share the good news of Messiah, his love, his gift to us, his atonement for our sins. We, we have to share that. And oftentimes we don't have the time because we've been arguing, discussing, considering our theological differences rather than sharing the love of Messiah. So here are a few suggestions. I mentioned this last week on how we can be a messenger of unity. Number one, we should have unity in our core values. That's like our statement of faith. Just a few things that really are clear. Who God is, what he's done, the Bible is the word of God, uh, a few things like that, core values. And then let us show liberty to all the other discussions we have. Let, let us show liberty. And, and three, let us be an example of charity and love in everything we do, everything we speak, everything we say. Let it all be with tremendous love. And number four, no buts. <laughs> well, okay. What do I mean by no buts? Um no but is when we give a reason why our behavior doesn't measure up to developing unity or whatever we're supposed to be doing you say to your husband or wife i would have been saying words to develop unity but when you said i wasn't speaking the truth i just couldn't help myself it was wrong and you know you go into this whole thing so that's the but and and the thing is that god's not looking for us to say, but God is looking for us to obey him. And, uh, you know, that, that's what we're supposed to do. Look, there are a lot of examples uh, that I can give you. One from a messianic point of view is it's fine for me to say that I don't agree with those maybe who hold the Ephraim or the two-house theology, But it is not fine for me to make generalizations about them in conversation because I don't agree with their (laughs) theological views. You know, the two house people, uh, they are always, and then I would say something, you know, they always do this or they always do that. Look, this is not helping unity. Since the two house people are believers in Yeshua, we don't have to be in theological agreement Because our unity is based not on that, but it's based on believing in Yeshua. And so they're family. And they're just family we don't agree with. So let's not spend a lot of time there. Another example, a simple example. We we get a note from someone with poor penmanship, and you could say, you have awful handwriting. Or you could make some sort of a joke about how you can never read their writing or you can say what's this word i'm having trouble reading it right which one do you think would be more appropriate for keeping unity well ask yourself before you speak or act is this what yeshua would say or do now when I say that, some people are going to say, yeah, but did you hear how Yeshua spoke to the Pharisees and so on like that? And that's why I don't generally say what Yeshua would do, because we're not God. <laughs> and so if, if, if God in all his pureness and his holiness says something that seems to be strong, uh, we don't get that same opportunity. Because we're not pure and we're not holy the way God is holy. So I'm not using that as an example. I would rather say, Am I speaking my agenda or God's agenda? I think that would be a better question to ask myself. I was asked whether or not you can be in unity with someone who does not believe in Yeshua. I think that's an interesting question, don't you? Well, my answer was, no, I don't believe we can be in unity with people who don't believe in Yeshua. However, if we truly practice unconditional love, and as long as it is up to us to be at peace with everyone, it's going to automatically feel as if we are in unity. So. There is that that harmony, the fact that we can work well together with people, even though down deep, we don't feel the unity. The feeling of unity is when you feel that you are on the same page with someone, and you can be on the same page. You can feel the unity, uh, and they don't have to be believers. However, real unity begins with being motivated by God's Word to be an example of one who believes in Yeshua and one who wants to follow Yeshua. Look, the problem, as I say, is that human history is a story of sin's disruption of God's ordained unity. God's ideal, as an example for marriage, is a husband and wife to experience Unity of life. It, it's In Hebrew, it's called um, echad, right? So echad is one. And so we're talking about one flesh. And that's from Genesis 2.24. But sin in the garden uh, caused mistrust and accusation. We see that in chapter 3, verse 12. And in Mark 10:5, we see that stubbornness or our hardness of heart is going to cause selfishness, and it continues to disrupt God's desired unity in marriages. Unity in marriages are a struggle because we are usually focused on the other person's behavior. And so the amount of emotional strength that is needed is enormous. That's why we know we have to depend on God. We can't do this on our own. When you are hurt by something, your uh, wife or husband says, "How do you respond?" When there is a breach of trust, how do you handle it? An example uh, is when you are on a tight budget and one of them buys a, a new pair of boots, How do you react? We do have to correct loved ones we have to we we have to correct people when they do something that we feel is wrong but how we do it could cause unity or it could cause that feeling of being fractured look two scriptures that come to mind when i think of this one is galatians 6 1 and 2 it says brothers and sisters if someone is caught doing something wrong so right this is the example that we want to Talk about, right? And then it says, you who are directed by the Ruach. So you who, are, um, who have the Holy Spirit directing you. Okay? That's the next part. And now here we go again. Restore such a person in a spirit of gentleness. Wow. So what we have to do is we have to correct in a gentle way. And then it gives us further instruction here. Looking closely at yourself so you are not tempted also. So what that means is that even though I've seen something wrong in somebody else, I've got to look at myself and see what... Is there some part of this that was caused by me? Is there something that I'm doing wrong? I have... And and if not... I am going to be tempted too, tempted to sin. And to, to strengthen this, the next verse says, bear one another's burdens. That means feel the pain of the other person. Feel the direction of the other person. Look, let's, you know, and, and then it says, and in this way you fulfill the Torah of Messiah. That's pretty strong that we fulfill God's word by bearing the burdens of other people. So if our husband or wife uh, says something and we're bearing their burden, then we are kind of putting ourselves in their shoes and, and we're going to react appropriately. The other scripture that I wanted to mention was Romans twelve eighteen. I think about this scripture a lot. It says, if possible, so far as it depends on you, live in shalom, or peace, with all people. So, God is saying, as as much as it depends on me, so it doesn't matter what the other person did. God's looking at me, and as much as it depends on me, I have to provide peace in situations. And then, verse 19 It gets even more involved in it. Never take your own revenge, loved ones, but give room for God's wrath. Look, what this means is that we shouldn't respond in kind. By the way, it's funny when we say respond in kind because it's never kind, right? (laughs) But uh, in other words, responding the way they have spoken to you. And this is an art form. This is something that requires a lot of work to figure out how to respond in these situations. Rather, in verse 20, it says, if you, your enemy is hungry, feed him. And certainly our wife or husband isn't our enemy, hopefully, right? <laughs> if he's thirsty, give him a drink. For by doing this, you will heap coals of fire upon his head, Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. somebody in our congregation was at a meeting where we were discussing scriptures and things like that, and she was trying to make a point, and she wasn't being able—you know, they weren't letting her— somebody was not giving her kind of the the amount of time she needed, and she got frustrated, and then she started started to get quiet, and she got very— upset you know and she was getting angry and all of a sudden her husband um you know kind of in back he was standing uh blew the shofar and all at that moment she just sensed god talking to her and saying you have a choice you can be bitter or you can be better you know you can you can go this route of anger or you can drop it and just focus on me and that's such a great example of of how God can work in our lives. You know, one of the most beautiful scriptures about unity and marriage is Ephesians 5. It's a pretty long one, and so I'll, I'll kind of interrupt back and forth. Uh, verse 21 says, also submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Messiah. I mean, that kind of says it all. Uh, We are to respect and and to submit. We are to submit to one another because of God, and uh, because we love God, because we respect God. Then it says, wives, to your own husbands as to the Lord. So not only everybody, but a special uh, thought is that, wives, you are to do this. And then it goes on and says, for the husband is the head of the wife, as Messiah also is the head of his community, himself the Savior of the body. But as Messiah's community is submitted to Messiah, so also the wives to their husbands in everything. Well, you know, many people find this uh, a struggle, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, but let me tell I always like to put the pressure on the husbands. So the next verse, verse 25, says, Husbands, love your wives just as Messiah also loved his community and gave himself up for her to make her holy, having cleansed her by immersion in the word. Now, let me just say, if wives had husbands who could do this, submitting to them probably would not be an issue. (laughs) <laughs> it says to love our wives as Messiah loved the community. He died for us. What more can you do? And so husbands, at the very least, we have to die emotionally so that we are not blaming and we are not causing friction. But we are, lift. listen, we are cl- be, cleansing our wives by the immersion in the word, the word of God. And then it continues, it says, Messiah did this so that he might present to himself his glorious community, not having stain or wrinkle or any such thing, but in order that she might be holy and blameless. So look at this. This is crazy. God is presenting us without stain or wrinkle so that we can be holy or blameless. And that is the job of the man, the husband. He is to he is to present her without stain or wrinkles so that she can be holy and blameless. In the same way, it says in verse 28: husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. Whoa. I mean this produces tremendous unity this is the power of unity it's the power of love okay so um maybe i won't continue with the other verses in in ephesians 5 but let me say this what stops us from unity is not loving unconditionally what allows us to be in unity with God, with Yeshua, is that he loves us unconditionally, regardless of our sin. What stops us from unity is selfishness. It is what I want. Is important or how I feel is important or am I right? Because we should do it my way because that's important. I'm hurt. So, uh, I have to show my reaction of hurt. You know, we, we can't allow selfishness to rule self when, when we don't decide to love unconditionally and be in unity, we give selfishness the ability to come into our lives. This is a spiritual battle more than a fleshly battle. God's ideal for the larger human family is again unity. You look in Genesis 11-1, uh, unity was really messed up by sinful pride. We we, we see that uh, in and notice that what it says in there is that they could do anything if they were in unity. This We're talking about building the Tower of Babel here. This past weekend, let me show you how difficult this is. So we had this young person who didn't know the Lord, and they came into the congregation with one of their friends who was part of our congregation. And one of our leaders spoke to her about the Lord, And later, I understand that this guest, this is what her reaction was. Everything she said was fine. However, I could tell that when I said I was an atheist, there was a strange look on her face of, like, disconnect. And at that moment, I didn't feel welcomed. Well, you can see this is the pressure that is put on us as believers to act well in all situations. We have to react. There's so many things to react to. But you know what? I know this is crazy. This is our third class, our third program, so to speak, on unity, and we're not finished yet. But we are finished with today's program, so if you feel that this program's been valuable, we would appreciate your financial support as well as your prayer support. And you can give—the easiest way is to call uh, our office and give at 813-831-5673. We'd love for you to visit our Shoresh David locations, bring friends, bring Jewish friends— Uh, We call them pre-believers, those who don't know the Lord. Uh, Look, for times and locations, go to our website, shoresh, S-H-O-R-E-S-H, david.org. Okay? And you'll see times and locations, uh, because we have four different locations that you can go to. More importantly, help the Ukraine. We'd love for you to do that And if we can bless you by uh, coming to your Bible study or, you know, please let us know. Would you join me as we close in prayer? Psalm 133 says, How good and how pleasant it is when brethren dwell together in unity. And, Lord, this is our prayer, that this would be our goal, that we could produce unity around us in in our lives with people who we— the, the people we care about and the people who we just meet. So I pray that all of those who are listening will grow in their desire to have a heart like the heart of Messiah. I pray this in the name of Yeshua. Amen. You are Messiah,
0: Yeshua Mashiach, Lion of Judah, the God of Israel.